salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, The Commish, and I want to wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving. It's been a wonderful day. I got to celebrate with my family, and I hope and pray that you guys were able to celebrate with your families. Uh, It is going on to the late evening of Thursday night, and we've had two football games. Could have had three. But by now, I think most of you know why there wasn't a third. But if not, I will go over that for the next few minutes. Uh, I I want to touch base with a few things that have come up regarding uh, recent scheduling and revised scheduling. A lot of these games uh, that would include um, the Ravens Steelers game that was supposed to be this evening along with a few college games that have been postponed due in large part due to the coronavirus. And so I want to start the evening talking about these postponed and canceled games. We are going into the winter sports schedule as of right now. And this relates to college sports uh, for those that don't know. Um, interesting enough, college basketball started yesterday, to my understanding, it started on Wednesday. And with that being said, they had a few games on, uh, late last night, some games on this afternoon as well. And I want to talk a bit about how I feel about how we have handled the coronavirus to this point. Now, when I speak, I want to speak as if I am speaking to the vast majority of people that exist within this country. When I say that there are a larger volume of people that have safely, securely followed protocol to this point, even though the numbers speak different, it's unfortunate that we had to see so many lives um, gone due to the virus. Uh, I know it's somewhere past 220,000 at this point, and the numbers continue to rise in certain locations of the country. But I, I also took the time out to watch a lot of what's been going on in political news. Um, I watched a little bit what's going on in sports, obviously. And when I formulate this statement, when, when I give my opinion. I don't expect people to really listen to the commission say, you know what, this man knows exactly what he's talking about. But I also have to feel as though when we're discussing something as serious and as crucial as the threat of the coronavirus and the pandemic that stems from this, I must think that there are people out there that are curious enough, willing enough to do something about it to avoid the possibility of losing their lives or someone else's life or lives. I mean, we, I'm, I'm speaking to the number of people that really give a damn about making sure that for what they need to do to make sure the threat of the virus does not spread throughout their household and through their family is something that continues on with neighbors other friends, extended family, so on and so forth. 
This is a serious matter that I don't think many of us take seriously. There are probably a little less than half of the people in this country, I have to believe, that take for granted that the virus is something that we'll just have to endure and it's something we cannot avoid. And if it's something that we catch, that something can be done about it, that there are hospitals available, that there are nursing stations or recovery stations that are available for us in the event that if we do attract or contract the virus, that something can be done. But the problem that I have with that theory is this. If there is a way that we can treat this, or if there is a way that we can prevent something like this from further spreading, it would seem necessary. It would seem logical that we take the precautions to make sure that no one else gets sick. Maybe it stems with just a mask. Maybe it stems with just a rag. Maybe it stems with some type of cloth that covers your nose and your mouth. I have to believe that if we do this, regardless of where we are, regardless of who we are, it makes that much difference in who gets sick, who doesn't get sick. What was fascinating over the last few years involved uh, when we're talking about the virus and how it started to spread and everything of that matter. It was the scenario of we wear masks, we sanitize, we wash our hands, what have you, and that things should be fine. If we do these things, then there stands the chance that we can avoid getting other people sick. And interesting enough, in the beginning when all that started, which was just some time in March, okay, this was all during the year, obviously, people thought it was the silliest thing to do to walk around with masks on. And I make the point that it took time and it probably took the statistics to play a major role in the decision-making and in the influence of doing what was necessary to make sure other people wouldn't get sick, including ourselves. Naturally, we don't want to get sick. We don't want to get our family sick. So we put on the mask. So we started to distance ourselves and we started to wash our hands. We started to sanitize. We started to do what was necessary to make sure we could somehow prevent the spread of the virus. And would you believe it worked? It was not foolproof. It did not eliminate the virus, but we saw the numbers decline. The problem that I have and it seems to be the problem now is that there are people, naysayers, conspiracy theorists that feel as though that didn't do much of anything outside of just maybe passing the virus along somewhere else. So because we took the initiative to do what was right, it did not eliminate the threat of the virus. So I guess the thought process would be just do what comes naturally. If you feel as though you want to wear a mask, you do it. However, I'm not going to do it. And before long, others decided I'm not going to do it. And now you have a wave of people that have made the decision for themselves to not wear a mask, 
to not social distance themselves because firmly they believe it's not something they feel like they have to do. One person said it is not their constitutional right to wear a mask and social distance themselves because it's not within the constitution. So that to me is a bit extreme because we're not arguing what the constitution has. This was not something that existed over 275 years ago. This is something that just happened as of recently over the last several months that we're trying to keep hold of in the means to try to find a way to neutralize the threat of the virus. But we've become so agitated and we've become so disappointed with the system. And I guess there's a lot of people that have become very impatient and highly selfish to think that something like this could actually work for anybody. And so here we are several months later, late November, and we're still talking about the threat of the virus and how it's spiked to the point where it's pretty much where we were in April when the numbers started to spike around that time. And so now it has affected the politics and it's affected sports. And it brings me to my point that over the last few days, probably within the last 48 hours alone, there have been at least five teams that have had players affected with this virus. And because of this, the Ravens and the Steelers game had to be postponed until Sunday. So it's not as though they lose the game, meaning they don't get a chance to play against each other because they have to. But it's just the fact that with where we are right now, we know better than to put ourselves in a position where it could somehow affect your business. We think that the NFL is not necessarily a business. It's, it's more of like entertainment, which to some extent it's true. Essentially, this is entertainment. But people are getting paid millions of dollars to play football, just as they were getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball a few months back. They all isolated themselves in one location. And would you believe they had no positive tests? They had no positive outbreaks while staying within that bubble, which means the theory of having a mask on, isolating yourself where you're not around other people that are sick works. It does work. The NBA is living proof that something like this could work. Now, as far as what other business and other sport organizations decide to do, that's solely on them. The NFL probably did not have the time nor the money to try to find a way to isolate themselves in particular locations to try to minimize the virus. However, they've taken it upon themselves to test everybody every day to make sure that the virus, even if it's there, does not spread. And so people would have to go home. They probably would not report to work because in large part, they cannot put themselves in a position where they can get other people sick, which makes a great deal of sense. But since we are in this position, because we're in this position now where we're trying to somehow find a way to make things better for ourselves, we ruin it for ourselves by completely disregarding 
what we needed to do in the first place. So now we see a lot of other teams uh, become affected by this virus, which means there are players that cannot play. They go on protocol because of this. They find themselves on the COVID list, which means they are quarantined anywhere between 10 to 14 days to my understanding. And now the NFL is enforcing a new policy, maybe a more revised policy to make sure that everybody on the team, every person, staff, personnel, players, what have you, wears a mask. And there are still people today that in spite of what these rules and regulations are, find themselves becoming sick. The question I have, and I won't spend too much time on this, the question that I have is, why should something like this be extended so far by now, by this point, at this point, where we can't find a better way to at least minimize the cases within our own camps, right there within NFL camps. We look at the Baltimore Ravens, we look at the Arizona Cardinals, we're looking at the Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, the Minnesota Vikings, and there's a number of teams that are affected by this virus. And it makes you wonder, how does it get to this point? Just put on a mask, put yourself in a position where you're not exposing yourself and there should be no issues. However, we'd still have issues. The Ravens are still going to play their game on Sunday in spite of the fact that they have at least 10 people affected by the virus, including their quarterback. Lamar Jackson was just recently diagnosed with the COVID. So now he probably will not be playing along with a number of other players that need to play because they need this game and the chance to try to at least stay relative to making the playoffs. And it looks like that's not going to happen. So what are these teams to do now that you're in a position where you need these players to play and they can't? And then who do you point the finger to when it comes to something like this? You can't put all the blame on Cadell. Goodell has done the best that he can to at least try to enforce what needs to be done. But now he's telling people, you got to wear a mask on the sideline. If you don't wear a mask, you get fined. Now the fine is probably going to go up for where it was before. You look at a team like the Titans that was fined $325,000. You look at coaches that were fined over $100,000 with uh, John Gruden and a few others. This is a serious business. This is a serious act. This is a this is a this is a moment in time where when we need to get it together, we can't. And there's no explanation as to why we cannot do this if the NBA has proven to us that it's possible. Regardless if they're isolated or not, regardless if they're in a bubble, they are still within their own premise to do what's right for the players and the personnel that exists right there in Baltimore or that exists in Arizona or in Cleveland, or in Indianapolis, or Minnesota, or wherever you are, wherever you're playing. There is just no excuse for where we are right now when we're talking about professional players and what needs to be done to try to minimize this problem. And for some reason, we can't. So says the commission. I look at what happened recently in the NCAA with college football. Since we were on the mic last, since I was on the mic last, I should say, there have been 18 games postponed due to COVID. The Ivy League, 
that's the league that's responsible for Princeton University, UPenn, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Cornell, Brown, Columbia. Shout out to Columbia University. These programs, these schools, these, institu these institutions take it upon themselves to say, we are not going to play sports at all. Maybe we should take a page out of their book because it, there was no hesitation. There was no thought behind what we could do to make sure that our students, our faculty are not affected by this virus. And if it is, if there is a situation, we know it has less to do with our athletes. So they took it upon themselves to say, you know what? We're just going to cancel it all together. I can't be mad at the Ivy League for what they've done. There are a lot of other conferences that probably should follow heed regarding to what Ivy League, but they cannot pass up that money. They cannot pass up the revenue that comes with being on television, being within the circuit where you get millions of dollars for playing on a Saturday night. It's hard for them to overlook. And so you just wonder what's more important here, the people's health or the money that you get from these organizations, these businesses, when you play a game. Nick Saban was diagnosed with the coronavirus for the second time in probably a month. I mean, at, at some point we have to realize there's, there's things that we could do a lot better for ourselves. And it's a shame, it's a crying shame if you can't find a way to make it better for yourself. I mean, we, we have a relatively decent solution to what we can do and it's been working. Even if it means looking silly, even if it means being embarrassed by wearing a mask, it doesn't make you any less of a person. This is about your life. This is about your health. This is about your security and your family's security and your family's lives. It just makes more sense to me. So says the commissioner. For the time that I have, I want to talk a little bit about the games um, for this evening. There were two games on. Uh, I want to give... I want to give a shout out if that's the case. I want to show some love. I say give a shout out. For those that understand, I'm recognizing the Washington football team this evening. And I'm talking about the Washington football team because they've shown me something this evening that has given me the reason to believe that this team is on track to becoming a better team. Now, I'm not saying it's because they've beaten Dallas for the second time this season. I am not harping over the fact that they swept Dallas. Shout out to all the Dallas fans out there. How are you feeling out there? Happy Thanksgiving to you. But, but in spite of that, Washington has found new meaning on how to play football. What do I mean by that? There came a time when you watch Washington play, and this might have been just last season. There was no organization, there was no discipline, and there wasn't enough for this team, talent-wise, to be able to be successful enough to win. And that's still the case today. That's still the case. But for where we sit right now, looking at these teams, and for what we see now with Washington, and how they've executed over the last two weeks, inspire the fact that they've beaten teams under 500 with losing records, they have found a way to organize themselves, manage the game, and execute properly to become productive. With production comes points. With points becomes 
a victory. This is what we want out of teams. This is what we want from any team. But for where we are with Washington and what they did today against Dallas, it was impressive. Alex Smith did not throw for 500 yards. He didn't have 10 touchdowns. Or let's be more realistic. He didn't even have three touchdowns. He threw the ball 26 times, completed 19 of those passes for 149 yards, one touchdown, and a forced INT. But he managed the game the way we knew Alex Smith manages game. This is not his first rodeo. This is something he's been doing for his entire career in the NFL. And he showed to us this evening that he is fully capable of doing it again. And it goes without saying to people listening out there, he will get comeback player of the year. He's already won two games back to back, which means he still knows how to win football games. But then the offensive line has to understand who Alex Smith is. The running backs have to understand who Alex Smith is. The receiver has to understand. The receivers have to understand who Alex Smith is. And then the flip side of that, the defense has to understand, which they do. They have to understand how to minimize having the offense on the field. You go out there, you get the three and out, you go out there, you shut down that run game, you shut down that passing game, you put pressure on the quarterback and they've made Andy Dalton run for his life out there on the field in Dallas. This was in Dallas of which Washington's only won once on Thanksgiving in Dallas. So this is where I stand with Washington because I think now this puts them over that hump proverbially speaking puts them over the hump to where now they understand what it means to win and what they need to do to win the division and we all know how bad that division is it's horrible the fact that washington's in first place with a four and seven record is embarrassing in itself but it's the fact that the rules are the rules and if you want to go to the playoffs you must win your division can washington win the division absolutely at this point they know exactly what they need to do to win it's the fact that they have a tough road ahead of them because they're not playing every team from this point out with a 500 record a lot of these teams are winning within their divisions or just have winning records so naturally the road for the next six weeks is going to get tough we got to wait and see what Washington does moving forward to see if they have a chance. Uh, Antonio Gibson, rookie running back, 20 carries, 115 yards, three touchdowns. Extraordinary game. He's one of the reasons why they won. Washington had the ball, total yards. They had 338 total yards. They had 22 first downs. And in the time of possession, they had nearly 36 minutes. That ladies and gentlemen, are the recipes for winning a game. That's exactly what they did against a Dallas team that is confused and decimated with injury. I get it. It's not like Washington's not going through the same thing. But Washington found a way to win. And when the winning was over, when they won the game, it was almost as though a light bulb had gone off. Now we realize what it is we can do to win. This is where we are with Washington. And I'm proud knowing that this team, whether they make the playoffs or not, has now found a way to win with the young team that they have. My prayer would be that everybody comes back 
next season. So says the commission. With the time that I have left, I am going to give my predictions for week 12 of the NFL schedule. We're going to week 12, which means come this either Sunday or Monday evening, I will give my third quarter reports regarding the teams to this point and how they've panned out over the last 12 months. I'm sorry, 12 weeks of the season. With that being said, Las Vegas at Atlanta. Las Vegas, the Raiders playing against the Atlanta Falcons. What do I like about this game? Is that there's teams out there that I think underestimate Las Vegas. And and, and I'm not saying that Las Vegas is a team that a lot of people have underestimated. But I think when you think the Raiders, you don't think that Derek Carr is going to go out there and throw three touchdowns. You don't think the defense is going to find a way to really shut down any kind of offense. But look where they are right now. And a close game they had against Kansas City, they probably should have won. They are in a great position outside of just making the playoffs, just going far in the playoffs. They're not going to miss a beat against Atlanta. Atlanta has something to prove, and I get it. But they're going to beat Atlanta. They're going to defeat Atlanta Sunday afternoon. The Los Angeles Chargers. Go Chargers, go. Play at Buffalo. And Buffalo's coming off of a bye, and they're playing at home. And this Chargers team is really starting to find their production. They're starting to find their method, their their routine. They're, they're, they're coming about in a way where you can see the progress being made. The problem with the Chargers is that they're running out of time to be more productive. And I think Buffalo's going to give them fits. Give me Buffalo against the Chargers. The Giants coming off a bye, playing at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a great defense. Not that the Giants don't, but they have another quarterback because of the of the loss of Joe Burrow. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that offense for Cincinnati. If anything should really tell the tale of this game, it'll be the Giants' defense and how they neutralize that Cincinnati offense. Give me the Giants in that game against Cincinnati, Tennessee at Indianapolis. It's going to be a great game. This is for first place. Right now, they're tied for first place with Indiana having the lead over Tennessee. I like Indianapolis to win this game against Tennessee because they've done it before and they know where they stand on both offense and defense. Defense being one of the best, if not the best in the league by statistics they will find a way to at least slow down Tennessee. They'll find a way to slow down Derrick Henry a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if he ran for 100 yards anyway. But give me Indianapolis against Tennessee. Carolina at Minnesota. Minnesota should have won this past week against Dallas. They didn't. Because they didn't win, it puts them further down the hole and at least making a wild card in the NFC. They're behind Chicago and Green Bay. It's a game they need to win, but they're missing some key guys on offense, including Adam Thielen. But let me see what they do against Detroit. Give me Minnesota against Carolina. Excuse me. Arizona at New England. Arizona's going to find a way to win against New England because New England is in a position where they need to win, but they can't. They can't find a way to win with Cam Newton. 
And I gave the statistic uh, last time. When Cam throws over 40 passes, the team loses. And they really don't have much of a running game. And Arizona's going to find a way to neutralize that. So give me Arizona. Arizona over New England. Miami at New York. Miami's going to win that game without any question. They'll win that game. Cleveland at Jacksonville. I like Cleveland to win against Jacksonville, in large part because they got to stay within that wild card spot. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore has nobody to play with. They have no Lamar Jackson. What are they going to do? Give me Pittsburgh in that one. New Orleans at Denver. New Orleans is going to continue to find a way to win games, both on offense and defense. Give me New Orleans. San Fran at the Los Angeles Rams. I like the Rams for what their defense can do and what San Fran just cannot do this season. Give me the Rams. Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's got a rebound from Monday night, but Kansas City is that much better than Tampa Bay. Give me Kansas City. We got Chicago at Green Bay in the Sunday night game. Chicago's struggling with their offense, and Green Bay has found a way to win at home, as they usually do. Give me Green Bay at home, and then the Seattle against Philly on Monday night. Give me Seattle over Philly. And those are my predictions for week 12. I want to finish with the time that I have left by thanking everybody out there for making this a success for me. I truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart what everybody has done for me. And I owe it to you guys that listen to me on a weekly basis for what you've done regarding the time that I've spent on this mic. It means that much to me. I want to thank, I want to thank Anchor. I want to thank Spotify. I want to thank Apple Podcasts. I want to thank Google Podcasts. I also want to thank Backtracks, Pocket Casts, Listen Notes, for putting my podcast on. Peace and love, everybody out there. Oh, thank you.